0: Welcome to the South Metro Ministries Podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. Ephesians chapter 4. This is the last in a series of sermons on healing of damaged emotions. Last Sunday I spoke to you on overcoming depression. The Sunday before I spoke on overcoming anger. I spoke on defeating worry before. I spoke about quieting the noise in your soul. This is sermon number 7. By the way next sunday i'm speaking to you on the keys to the kingdom (laughs) but here we are by the way also next sunday from five to seven we're having open house food and refreshment and fellowship and the whole facilities will be open to everybody because we know there are other churches and people who have blessed us who want to come through and your families from five to seven drop in and oh my 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 here i go ephesians 4 verse number 30 and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away. Everybody say, put away. Amen. Be put away from you with all malice. And read together with me, everybody on the screen or in your word. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you about victory for a few moments. Victory over unforgiveness. What is the hardest thing for you to believe about the Christian life? Is it heaven? Some people of our day will discredit our belief in heaven as Christians and call it man's aimless quest for a utopia. What is the hardest thing for you to believe about the Christian life? What about hell? Is it one of the hardest things for you to believe because you're thinking that a loving God would send a man or woman to hell? That God would create us to destroy us? I suppose you could pull out a number of doctrines of the Christian faith and say that they are the hardest things to believe. But honest confession brings us to this conclusion that this business of forgiveness is possibly the hardest thing for us to believe. The reason I say we have such a hard time with it is because it's one of the most difficult things to do you're thinking about this business of forgiveness and perhaps you talk to yourself about having been hurt having been injured wounded by a friend by a boss by an ex-spouse by a pastor, by a church by a doctor by a lawyer or someone else and you're thinking things like forgive him forgive her are you kidding now I don't act like you're so holy I'm going to have an altar call in a little bit you can say amen you've thought it after what he or she has done for me I could never forgive him and if we are honest about how deep in sin we were when God forgave us and somebody asked us said he'll forgive you and you're thinking forgive me God would forgive me? You don't know what I've done, who I've done it with, where I've been and how long I was there. God would forgive me? How could I have done such an awful thing? I can't even forgive myself. Help me preach. Such confessions are from people who have grown up in churches. Grown up with godly parents and yet grown up without fully understanding God's forgiveness and its intended effect on every level of our lives. Please, if you take notes, you want to write this down. We live in a great amount of bondage because of our failure to accept God's forgiveness and our inability to forgive. This bondage of unforgiveness affects our marriage, our relationship with our children, our work relationship, our fellowship with God And oftentimes, it's passed on, this bitterness of unforgiveness, is passed on from generation to generation. You know, unforgiveness can be contagious. I'm talking about, you could grow up, uh, you kids could grow up around you and in their childhood, in their preteen, in their teen, they hear you talk about a certain family or a certain preacher or, or a certain boss or somebody over the years that you're an enemy with and all of a sudden they don't like them either and they ain't never met them some, some folks arguing like the hatfield and McCoys for generations and don't even know why and, and that can be so contagious this bitterness and this unforgiveness stuff it's contagious and it's, it's, it's not good for the soul and it's not good for the spirit I read about a woman who was bitten by a mad rabid dog And the doctor told the woman that her condition was terminal and to be careful not to spread it immediately the woman in the doctor's office took out pen and paper and she began to write and the doctor says if you're making out a will ma'am i'll be glad to get an attorney to assist you no she said i'm just making a list of the people i'd like to bite before i go (laughs) go ahead and smile it won't break your face unforgiveness is Contagious. I'm going to talk about it real quick on three levels. What is forgiveness? What are the results of an unforgiving spirit and forgiving others? Let's define it if you will. There are two definitions about unforgiveness or forgiveness that I want to talk about. Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that as a result is a result of a wrong done against you. For example, a debt is forgiven when you free your debtor of his or her obligation to pay you what he owes. Can I get a witness? Here's a second definition that I find very practical for 2013. Forgiveness is giving up resentment against someone and surrendering one's right to retaliate No matter what the other person did. Yeah. I mean surrender my right to get a pound of their flesh because of what they did. I'm preaching if you've ever heard an Indian preach. Forgiveness involves three elements. Note them. Number one, it involves an injury you were hurt, you were wounded, you were offended, you were injured. Secondly, forgiveness involves a debt. You lost something. Because of what somebody did, your reputation was ruined. You lost finances because somebody drug you into a high promising interest yield that never realized itself. You lost property. You lost friendships. Forgiveness involves injury, a debt. And number three, Forgiveness involves a cancellation of that debt. All three elements are necessary if forgiveness is to take place. Look at me and listen to me a moment. All three of these elements were certainly present in Christ extending forgiveness for us. Calvary and the cross... 2,000 years ago is all about the love of God and the message of forgiveness. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sins. We injured God because of our sins. Can I get an amen? We injured his gift of love because we denied him and there was a debt that, oh I feel what glory we could not pay the Bible says the wages of our sin is debt D-E-A-T-H we owed a debt we could not pay he paid a debt he did not owe. And thus he canceled all of our sins. And Jesus said, Him that cometh unto me, I will in the wise cast out. Put your hands together and give a Lord a praise in this house. You know what I've discovered? That most people who suffer from an unforgiving spirit do not know that unforgiveness is the root of many of their problems. All they know is that I just can't stand to be around that person. They find themselves wanting to strike out when certain subjects are mentioned in their presence. They don't know that, that, that bitterness and, and, and unforgiveness from five years ago, last week, ten years ago. They feel uncomfortable around certain types of people. They lose their temper over little things. They're very, very irritable. Some of you are not feeling very comfortable now but I forgive you. They constantly struggle with guilt over sins committed in the past. They they can't get over the frustration of hating the ones they should love the most. A few years ago, I preached a sermon just like this on the need to forgive and be forgiven. And after the service, a young lady about age 21 came up to me at the altar with tears in her eyes and she asked if she could make an appointment with me. She came to my office that week and told me that I had struck a nerve with her when I spoke on forgiveness. And then she began to tell me her story. She hated her father and her brothers who had sexually abused her more than once. She wept uncontrollably in my office because she knew she needed to forgive and get on with her life but she just could not do it. She seemed to manifest all the symptoms of an unforgiving spirit and could almost justify her bitterness because these were the men who should have been her guardian and her protector but they became her abuser. Let me me tell you something. Next point. What are the results of an unforgiving spirit? Number one, a person who has an unforgiving spirit is always the real loser. I said the person who has an unforgiving spirit is always a real loser, much more so than the one against whom the grudge is held. The Bible tells us that as Christians, an unforgiving spirit is not part of god's spirit can i get an amen it's not part and if christ dwells in us who is god then we ought to put on christ and his characteristics doesn't galatians 5 and 22 and 23 say the following but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control Doesn't verse 25 of Galatians 5 say to us, Against such there is no law. Therefore, if we live in the spirit, let us walk out our Christian life in the spirit. And and what I'm trying to tell you, brothers and sisters, is an unforgiving spirit makes us real losers because we act according to our flesh. And Paul says in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, that our flesh... Produces because of an unforgiving spirit and other sins our flesh produces hatred contentions jealousies outbursts of wrath dissensions envy and the like listen to what the Bible says of which I tell you beforehand just as I told you in the past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God so there's the answer you can't even expect to inherit the kingdom of God if you harbor unforgiveness. That's real loss. Number two, the results of an unforgiving spirit is that an unforgiving spirit hinders our prayers. Where you find that, pastor? In the book of life, the Bible? Write it down. Psalm 66 and 18. It's not on the screen. The psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Did somebody else hear me here? You could pray in tongues. You could pray till you're blue in the face. You can pray all you want to, but that prayer ain't going higher than the ceiling if you're harboring unforgiveness. What about your giving? How come I give tithes and offerings and I'm not pointing my finger at anybody but myself? How come that don't happen to me like a man who had the flooded... Uh, flooded basement how come that don't happen to me with like you and sister valerie could it be that some unforgiveness against your wife or your children or your boss or somebody else hinders your prayers you know what jesus said in matthew's gospel chapter 5 verses 23 and 24 this is what he says about the spirit of unforgiveness therefore if you bring your gift to the altar or your tithe your offering and there you remember that your brother has something against you Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. We cannot expect God to answer our prayers when we operate in the flesh and give the devil glory. Unforgiveness hinders our prayers. Number three, the result of an unforgiving spirit is that resentment and other negative feelings will spill over in other relationships. Give me a witness, church. We are seldom aware of the hostility from one relationship that can flow over into another relationship if we're not careful. Can I get an amen? So, somebody hurts you in a leadership position, but not everybody in a leadership position intends to hurt you. You were betrayed by one of your family members. But don't let it spill over into every family member. Can I get an amen? You were hurt by a spiritual leader. But you don't put them all in the same category. Can I get an amen? Not everybody's after your dollar or after your name or your reputation. God's got guardian angels in your lives you can trust some people and god will show you who you can trust don't let bitterness and resentment and estrangement and keeping yourself from fellowship of other folks who could pray for you and anoint you and show you how to get out of your cave of bitterness don't let that keep you out from making new friends and being restored by the power of god because god will put people in your life to pray for you you don't even know about and heal you give the lord some praise somebody Number four, an unforgiving spirit fosters rejection. Yeah, we start rejecting and isolating, as I said just moments ago. We start judging people, not even knowing their intent. Later on, as we go and find the real proof for our hurt, we find out it wasn't even the person that we've been accusing all that time. I feel a whoop glory coming on, but I'll just, I got several degrees from college. And when you hear me preach, you're thinking they ought to give you a refund, but I'm trying to be nice. We've holed some stuff against some folks who are dead. You need to get that cleared up, but they're dead. No, no, you need to take you a chair and put it in a room, two chairs. You sit here and you put that chair over there and you make like that person who's going to heaven is sitting right there. I'm preaching. Somebody say amen. Yeah. You can even get it right now. You can make like they're sitting right there and you can ask them to forgive you. Even Come on. Yeah. And get free of that baggage. Number five, the result of an unforgiving spirit is that it does not fit our identity. Can I get a witness somebody? I mean, I wear about a size 40 regular. Sometimes I can wear a 38 if I suck in my belly. But if I come in here with a size 48 long, he's going to say, that don't fit him. He needs to go home and redress. It kind of reminds me of the guy whose eyes were popping out and his ears were burning. So he went to the doctor. You want to find out what's wrong. And the doctor says, what you need is a set of new glasses. So he bought some glasses, but his eyes continue to pop out and his ears continue to burn. He went to another doctor and the doctor says, what you need is some hearing aids. He got some hearing aids, tried them out for a while, but his eyes continued to pop out and his ears continued to burn. He went to another doctor and the doctor says what you need is your tonsils taken out. They took out his tonsils. His eyes popped out and his ears burned. The other doctor said, the no, number four, what you need is, is to have your appendix taken out. They took out his appendix. Not so long after his eyes popped out and his ears burned. He went to a new clothing store one day to buy a shirt. And the clerk of the store says, what size do you wear, sir? He says, I wear a 15 and a half shirt. The, the clerk said, mm, I, I better measure you and see if you wear a 15 and a half. Don't really look like you do. Measured his neck, it was a 17 and a half. And the guy says, hey, hey uh, uh, I've been wearing a 15 and a half for the last 25 years. And, and the salesman says, you know what? I'd be glad to sell you a 15 and a half, sir. But if you wear it for a long time, your ears are going to burn and your eyes are going to pop out. Go ahead, go ahead. That's what unforgiveness will do to you. It doesn't fit you. Ooh, I feel a hallelujah coming on. Did you like that, Pastor JC? I told you, you cannot do me, boy. What about forgiving others? Ooh, hallelujah. Remember this. In this business of forgiving others, we must recognize, number one, that we have been totally forgiven by God. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew number 20. Pardon me, Matthew number 18. Mm, Help me, Holy Ghost. Somebody say, help him, Lord. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 18. Can't find Matthew 18. I wonder if I got this Bible on sale. Here it is, right here. Matthew 18, verse number 21. If you're there, there, say amen. Amen. It's about recognizing that we've been totally forgiven. These, verse 21 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Look at this, look at this. I think Peter's a little cocky saying, Up to seven times? You know, I'm really so good. And the Lord says, no. Look at what the next verse says. Jesus said to him, I... Did not or do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And quickly you're thinking, that's 490. And I'm about my 489 right now with him. And the number seven is the number of completeness. That means you will never be completed forgiving somebody as long as you live in this house of flesh. There'll always be something that you need to be forgiven of or to forgive somebody of. So just keep doing. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents and verse that's like saying let's just put it in today's understanding the king was settling his books many people owed him money one man owed him ten thousand dollars and i won't read the rest let me just tell you okay the king brought him in and said pay me up now he said i don't have the money the king said throw him in jail take his wife and children and family and Sell them if you have to as slaves until he pays me. The man who owed him $10,000, he fell on his face before the king and he begged, begged. He said to the king, "Uh, uh, Master, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. That was verse 26. Verse 27 says, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Look look at the rest of the story. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii. The man who was forgiven ten thousand dollars went and found a man who was owing him a hundred dollars and he said to that man he took him by the throat i like you brother aren't you an attorney i better not take you by the throat uh yeah i won't take i've been wanting to get an attorney by the throat for a long time he took him by the throat and he said pay up oh i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you in jail and the, and the man says, please, please, sir, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all I owe. The man who was forgiven 10,000 couldn't forgive 100 and have the, had the man thrown in jail. When the king heard about it, he said, bring that wicked... I'm not preaching to Lindian. Bring that wicked servant who owed me 10,000. He said, shame on you. Did you so soon forgot after you left my palace door that I forgave you such a large debt? and you go over there and throw a man in jail because of a hundred dollars, I'm going to throw you in jail and I'm going to torture you until you pay up. Look at verse 35. The Bible said, Jesus said, So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Somebody say amen. That's the word of God. Jesus forgave us. We must recognize that we must forgive. Oh, where am I? Number, number two, we must release the person from the debt that they owe. Whatever the nature of it. Let it go. Look at me, everybody. Say, let it go. go. Everyone, look at me, say, put it, put it away. Regardless of it. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know. I'm telling you what God knows. You are the one that's going to lose sleep. And you know, I've given this analogy many times. But me being bitter and unforgiveness, what it will do to my body and my mind and my spirit and my emotions, is like me having this glass full of poison. And I'm drinking it, hoping he'll die. You're already killing yourself. Put it away! no, 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 no number three, number three. Release the... Do not adopt the you owe me attitude. Y'all still with me, aren't you? I forgave you. You owe me. You're going to become my slave. One fellow went with his wife for counseling for their marriage. They've been married for about 30 years and he said to the counselor when it came his turn to talk, he said, uh, Doctor, every time we get an argument... My wife gets historical. The doctor says, no, no, no. You, you mean, you mean hy- hysterical, don't you? You mean she gets hysterical. No, no, I, I mean historical. Every time we get in the argument stuff, she forgave me of 25 years ago. She starts bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it, it up. What kind of forgiveness is it if, if, if Jesus says, uh, I forgive you your sins, but every time you sin, I'm going to beat you over the head with a bat. I'm a, ooh, I think I buy this CD myself. Pete, I need this therapy. And if you don't buy it, I'll give it away you free because I know some of you. And I'm not going to call anybody's name. I'm just going to call their initials. Calvin Smith. I just know some of these people. Play something, brother. I'm in a deep hole here. We used to be friends, he and I until that comment. But you got to forgive me. Hey, do you know that sometimes God uses your ability to forgive to promote you as a tool in your life? Ask Joseph. That's all I got to say. Ask Joseph who was sold by his brothers into slavery. Away from his father and family for 17 years. The 12th of 12 sons living a good life when he was a slave and his master's wife tried to seduce him to commit sexual immorality while the master was on a trip and he left his coat in her hands and she cried out rape because she didn't want to be rejected. It threw him in jail. He forgave, forgave. His brother showed up in Egypt after God promoted him to be the prime minister of Egypt because there was going to be a seven-year famine in the land where there would be no food. And God raised him up to in the first seven years of his leadership, to sow enough grain and seed so they could store up for the seven years of famine, and his brothers came looking for food. And he revealed himself to his brothers. He had a chance to kill every last one of them. But he said, That's okay. In Genesis 50 and 19, Genesis 50 and 19 says, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? But it's for you, you meant it for evil, brothers. But God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many lives. He told his brothers, figuratively speaking, I could kill you, but don't be afraid. I'm not going to. I will provide for you and your little ones. What God is using sometimes is our ability to forgive, to take us to the next level. And then the last thing you do is make reconciliation with those, with those with whom you need to make reconciliation. I'm going to close with this illustration, a true story. Any of you ever seen the movie The Hiding Place or read the book The Hiding Place by Corrie ten Boom over the years? Raise your hands. Have you ever read it or seen it? you put it down. Corrie ten Boom and her family lived in Holland during World War II when Hitler and the Nazis was invading as much of Europe as they can. Including in their world conquest, attempted world conquest. They invaded Holland. Corrie ten Boom and her family, non-Jewish, made hiding places in their house to hide Jews and other Dutch believers from the Nazis. And from 1943 to 1944, until somebody betrayed them. Their house was a safe house where people could travel, stay a few days until they found another safe house. Over 800 Jews were spared the torture camps and the gas chambers and the burning infernos of Hitler's hate for Jews. Six million Jews were killed in the name of hate. When Corrie Tinboom Boom and her family were discovered they were arrested by the Nazis, all of her family. Her 84-year-old father was thrown in jail. And 10 days after, he died in jail. She and her sister, Betsy, were sent to several death camps, the last of which, before the end of the war, was Ravensbrück in Germany. There in that hell on earth, Lice-infested barracks. The women were made to unclothe in front of the German guards, put on all their clothes in a pile at the shower door and forced to take showers in front of mocking, jeering men. Lice-infested, roach-infested, their bodies initiated by hunger and persecution. She saw thousands die. Her own sister Betsy died and after she, the war was over, she was released. She was 53 years old. While she was in these concentration camps, she told about the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus. And in her personal account, in her book, The Hiding Place, she, she tells this story. It was a church service in Munich that I saw him. Who is him? Or oh, he, the former SS man who stood guard at the shower room in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time, and suddenly it was all there. Said Corey Timboom, the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain blanched face. He came to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. She says he said to her, "How grateful I am for your message, Fräulein." He continued by saying to her to think that as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I who had just preached so and preached so often to the people of Bloomingdale, the need to forgive, kept my hands at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ, I died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile, she said. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathe a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And as I took his hand and reached out, took his hand, the most incredible thing happened, she said. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. So she concludes by saying, I discovered it is not... On our forgiveness any more than our goodness that the world's healing hinges but on his. Listen to this. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives us, along with the command, the love itself. If he tells you to forgive, he'll give you the power to forgive. Clap your hands. bow your heads please I'm not out of time I'm completely out of time but this is the most important time of your day right now Pastor Matura I needed this word and I am not going to be held in the bondage of the sin of unforgiveness I need today that healing I need today to put it away lay it down let it go if that's you raise your hands raise your hands all over this church numbers of hands Put them down stand to your feet everybody everybody stand to your feet and i want you to raise up your hands to the lord open up your mouth and begin to praise him for the forgiveness he's already given you go ahead say it a little bit louder than a whisper i'm forgiven so i can forgive come on say it a little louder i i, I need I, I need for you to tell the devil in his face you're not going to give me this bondage and this baggage my son did it my daughter did it my boss did it my my friend did it my pastor did it or whatever come on god i thank you that they are forgiven and i'm forgiven come on say lord forgive me everybody whoever needs to say lord forgive me for carrying this baggage lord forgive me for having this resentment and this bitterness come on lord forgive me for the ex-spouse or the ex uh, oh god uh, uh uh lord employer come on in jesus name you know i've been cheated you know i've been wounded But I'm not going to hold them hostage. I'm not going to live like you owe me something, Lord. You've already done enough for me. Come on. Pray over it. Pray over that person right now. The Bible says pray for your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Pray for them. And that doesn't mean that you pray for their injury. Come on. God, I leave it in this altar. I will not be bitter. In the name of the Lord. Sing, praise team. Come on and sing. Come on, everybody else. Keep your hands up for just a few moments. Come on. Lord, I believe. Come on. Come on. Say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I obey. Lord, I'm not going home with this. I'm not going to sleep tonight with this. I lay it down. It doesn't fit me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Come, prayer team. Come, prayer team. Come on. Come on. Raise your hands and praise it for a few seconds more. Sing with them. Sing with them because that's your hope. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.